0: This is Christian Book Blurb, brought to you by author and songwriter Matt McCleary. Get a behind-the-scenes glimpse into the lives of some of your favourite Christian authors. Hear about their books and faith. Also, why not check out my website, mattmccleary.com. This episode is sponsored by The Mantle, a fictional novel by Mark F. Hobson, PhD. Get your copy from drmarkhobson.com or from Amazon. Hello and welcome to the Christian Book Blur podcast, where we like to encourage you in your discipleship one book at a time as we meet some amazing Christian authors and learn about their books, their lives, and their faith. I'm your host, Matt McCleary, and thanks for joining me today. And on today's show, I am going to be talking about Discipleship is for Everyone. And I'm going to be speaking with the author, James Poach as well as someone else who's featured in the book, Iman. So welcome to the show, James and Iman. Nice to have you with us. Thanks, Matt. Really looking forward to our discussion.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: It's great to have you guys with us. Um, let's begin, first of all. I know the, this this podcast is billed as um, helping Christians to grow in their discipleship but I think a lot of people have Mm. different definitions of what discipleship means to them. So let's just start off with that, James. Um, What is Mm. discipleship and why is it important for Christians? Well, first and foremost, discipleship is
2: a lifelong journey of walking with Jesus. And also included in that is walking with others, which is, you know, God's church here. And, uh, That's something that um, some people may think, well, you know, discipleship is turning up a church once a week or once a month, and, you know, you fill your head with some knowledge about the Bible and then that's, you know, that might be their simple definition of what discipleship. But it is so much more. And uh, by reading the Bible, we can understand what it is that God is calling us to do and to be as disciples. You know, Jesus, of course, he had his 12 that he walked and journeyed with in those three years. And that was absolutely formational for them. But they didn't stop there. They didn't stop being disciples of Christ when Jesus left.
0: Uh, that's when the real work began. I really like what you said about, um, discipleship. Uh, yes, it's about walking with Jesus, but it's also about walking with others. And that's something mm-hmm. that, um, um, I've been exploring and, and learning more about, um, this, this whole concept of, of church and what is church. And uh, I, I think, I think that, walking with others is such a key part to discipleship that we're missing a huge big chunk of what it means to be a Christian if we're trying to do on our own what, yes. what would you say to that yeah absolutely and
2: there's such a mutuality in that that you know one one is down the other one lifts the other up and we share stories of life and it can be a real deep and uh, meaningful experience and uh, I know we're going to unpack a bit more of of this as as we go on through this. But uh, suffice to say that uh, there's such a positivity about it that, you know, some, maybe the word can scare people and uh, just for different reasons, perhaps um, experiences they've had in the past in a church that has left them feeling a little bit um, nervous about Mm. Yeah, you know, maybe sharing some of those stories and struggles with others. But in a church, we can find places of hope and trust, and obviously, those things are so important as we uh, journey
0: together. There has to be trust; otherwise, um, it just won't work. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. I asked you onto the show today because I love to interview Christian authors. So that must mean you've written a book. And your book is called Holy Grit, Gaining Traction on Life's Journey with Jesus. And I've read the book in preparation for this podcast. And I must say, it's a really fantastic book. And I did find it um, really quite difficult to pick bits of it out to, to focus on. For, for this this interview because obviously we can't cover everything that's in the book. there's so much good stuff in there. Um, I have tried to focus on a few little sections to give the listeners um, a, a flavor of what you're talking about. But if you're interested in this topic, if you're listening to this podcast and you're interested in, in what James is talking about um, in terms of discipleship and what it is and how it works and what it looks like and how you can use it in your own church context and equally what it is not, um, do check out his book, Holy Grit. It is, it's a really, really good book. Really good. So in your book, um, one of the things you do and which is kind of what the title is based on, um, is you use the image or the illustration of grit of these like little stones (laughs) that, (laughs) that kind of get put out on a slippery wintry day. Um, mm. to help you to to walk along the pavement or to drive your car along the road. Um, yes. And you've used that image um, to help describe discipleship. So how does that work? Yeah, well, Matt, uh,
2: interestingly, a couple of weeks ago, I flew up to Scotland into a blizzard. And uh, I had lots of opportunities for walking on ice and snow. And it just kind of brought it back home to me again about this whole idea of life and how it can be slippery, you know, on, on the road that Jesus calls us uh, to walk. We live in a world that's fallen, that's broken. And so we need the grit of discipleship, that discipline, the dying to self. Um, You know, as Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way take up your cross and follow me. Now, anyone who's uh, lived (laughs) will know uh, there is that element of of suffering, of hardship, of things that can really knock us, and uh, we need traction. I think it was important to put that subtitle in, in my book of gaining traction on life's mm. journey with Jesus. We need that traction, and uh, we can help one another on that as well. Um, so, But first and foremost, I would say that, that that grit is dying to self in the discipline of taking up our cross and following Jesus.
0: Mm. And I liked, I liked it as well because um, discipleship at times, and especially as how you, you're talking about it in your book, um, it can get uncomfortable. Um, you know yes. if, if, if you're challenged on something um, you you can kind of go oh oh you know I don't like that or oh that that sort of is uncomfortable like like mm-hmm. a little stone getting getting in, in, in your shoe that that's kind yes. of grit but also the whole idea of grit and I know in the UK I, I, international listeners might not have this expression. But but in the UK we talk about having grit and determination, and yes. and, and you kind of you you've got to you've got to kind of bite the bullet is another um, expression where where you, you kind of have to knuckle down and get on with it even that's if it. you're finding it tough. And I think that's part of discipleship as well. Um, you know you, you've you've got to you've got to you know even if it's uncomfortable, just keep going. Be determined that's it you know and and god's done
2: his part he's given us the holy spirit and we have to do our part as well and it's just that kind of symbiotic relationship that um we're giving to god all that we have hopefully and in discipleship and god gives us the power to live out the life it's not always easy there are lots of obstacles and things that can get in the way of that but it's just knowing that We're walking with Jesus. We're walking with others. And in that, we can live a life of discipleship that honors God.
1: Yeah, so much of discipleship that's been my experience is just coming back to God every time, coming back to Jesus, following him in the sense of for everything, when things are difficult, when you need that grit to keep going, taking that back to him. So discipleship really is the dying to self, the going back to Jesus over and over again. And in that process, others come alongside you and there's so much that happens. But I think the very important thing there that James is saying is just that really determining to follow God mm. and to go to him with life's troubles, with the slippery slope um, and not expecting it to just kind of be done for you, but mm. seeking him out in that way.
0: Mm, yeah. That's really good. Thank you. So then what what are some of the roadblocks to discipleship? Yeah, there's a lot of different things that can get in the way of
2: our discipleship. I'd say perhaps one of the, the biggest can be unforgiveness, can be a real blockage. And uh, it's something that if we bring to God and we're something that we're still struggling with, uh, perhaps just some unforgiveness towards someone who may have really treated us badly we may need to just sit down talk to someone else about that and find hope and healing in just turning that over to the lord can be pride Um, i covered this in my book in my own (laughs) stubbornness when i was um, writing the chapter on love Funnily enough, my son came in the house and uh, was asking where the keys were, and I was short with him. And then what came back to my computer and started to write more about love. (laughs) And I thought, oh, I cannot, I cannot write another word. I need to go and apologize to Stephen, you know, humble myself before him. And uh, so. It's just like not letting these things get in the way of, you know, I I, I want to write well. I want to write honestly. And and that's part of my discipleship. And so I can't let pride get in the way. Disobedience, not listening to what God is asking us to do um, through the word. Um, scripture is so important in how we live our lives. And if we disregard that, well, that's going to be it tremendous roadblock unanswered prayer we can have so many disappointments and lose hope Hmm. and it's so important to have hope on the journey condemnation i'm sure we've all experienced that at some point in our lives where uh, the devil just loves to come alongside and tell us you're not you're not and just pull us down. We need one another to build each other up. You know, to yeah. say, "Come on, we can do this." We're, we're in this to win this and in this great race that God has called us to. And uh, so, to put condemnation behind us and shame, and uh, all those, all those things that just, um, those roadblocks. Yeah, I don't know what, any other word that's better mm-hmm. to describe yeah. that.
0: Yeah. And in your book, you, you talk a lot about discipleship and being done together. And I think a lot of those roadblocks you've mentioned, can you can start to overcome some of those by by doing it together with someone you mm-hmm. trust. And Absolutely. So then you talk about this mentor relationship that, that, that um, your church has adopted in bringing about um, sort of deep discipling that goes on. What does this look like? How does it work? Mm, hmm Yeah, well, good question.
2: The thing that we really want to stress about this is it's a very much an organic thing. It's not something that's put upon people. We have lots of people who come to our church who at the moment that they haven't opted in to uh, any kind of uh, intentional discipleship, as as we would uh, as as I've outlined in the book, and that's absolutely fine. You know, when they're ready, then they can approach one of the leaders and just say, "Hey, look, I I'd really like to go deeper and um, in discipleship and take this on board." So, and then you know the I, I would say probably people come along to our church for at least a couple of months before we'd even suggest it, just because they need to know what kind of church we are, what we're believing, what our vision and values are. And that kind of takes time and uh, to build up trust. And, and trust is so important. So, and then uh, people can, I, I think when people say, well, look, I'd like to be held accountable. I'd like to have a mentor or a disciple or someone to help me out. And so my first thing would be to say, well, is there someone in the church that you feel that you could do this with? So it's kind of putting that over to them, not assigning someone to them. If they can't think of anyone, then we'd come back and say, okay, well, perhaps try this. And it it is very much a, a trial to to give it at least three months to to work, maybe to meet every couple of weeks or once a month and see how that goes. So it's very much according bespoke according to the person, but within mm. obviously good guidelines and, and accountability.
0: What's the role of the the mentor in the in that relationship?
2: Yeah, I'd say first and foremost it's listening. Um just listening to where someone's at really knowing their story and um, what god might be saying in any given situation the things that they're struggling struggling with the things to celebrate and to see built up and so yeah it's very much very much a listening exercise but also looking out for things that perhaps the person may not notice about themselves or Perhaps there's a particular challenge that they feel the Lord putting on their heart for, for them to grow in their discipleship. So it, it can very much be like, well, high accountability, but low control. There's, there's nothing about controlling people's lives in in any way, Hmm. but you know, what are people wanting to see develop in their lives? And so it's starting from that natural organic place.
0: Hmm. And as, as you mentioned there, that this intentional discipleship, um, you don't confront people with it as soon as they walk through the door. You give them time yeah. and space. Mm-hmm. Um. So what what would you say to um people? Because I've called this this episode discipleship is for everyone, and and I believe that if you're a Christian, it is it is for everyone, um, eventually. <laughs> but there there might be some listeners. Who are just don't feel they're in that right kind of place, or mm-hmm. in their walk with Jesus, um, or in their lives. Um, maybe they they'll have really negative reactions if someone brings challenge rather than than positive ones. Um, is this how you see it working, or or have I got that right, or what should those people do in that situation?
2: Yeah, I think that I'd want to. I mean, you did say walking with Jesus, and of course, you know, that's discipleship first and foremost. It's the life with Christ. And if someone is a bit reticent, um, just to go back to what we talked about earlier, perhaps they have had an experience where they have been betrayed by someone. I've heard this yeah, you know, more often than I'd like to. Um, people in a church who shared a confidence and people have gossiped about them behind their back and or perhaps not helped them at all and just left them to flounder and so i think that's uh, such a shame and so there could be real trust issues there we have to respect that and you know trust is earned it's not something that you just say trust me and <laughs> expect people to do that so it is journeying alongside of people and in prayer in love and um, just being open to questions and perhaps criticisms and think, well, you know, as a church, we don't feel like, you know, we've got this all nailed down and we do it right all the time. And there are things that we can learn. Sure. We're on a journey. We're all on a journey, the Mm. leaders, everyone in the congregation. So there's things that we can learn how to do things
0: better. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, James. I think it's time we bring Iman into the conversation um, she's got a comment before we move on to her particular story about what we've just been talking about. So I'll, I'll let her comment on that before we, we chat with her further.
1: Just to say as well, on a very practical note, what's been my experience has been that at the start of any mentoring relationship, there's a very frank conversation about what the mentee wants out of that relationship. What are you looking for? Um, so if you are someone who is still struggling to build trust, the whole point of it is that it's very honest and frank. So if you can honestly have that conversation and say, look, I've been burnt before and I this is where I want to start. I want someone who will challenge me to read my Bible more or to put into practice what I'm learning or to um, help me come out of my shell and connect with other members of the church body more. You know, you can have those conversations at the start. It's not like we just start mentoring and immediately it's like, these are all the things you do wrong and <laughs> you need to fix those it's what you want to gain out of this mentoring relationship it's a two-way thing um it's not just the mentor coming in and telling you what your life should look like at all um in fact there's none of that so just to say to anyone who might be listening who thinks well oh, I'd love to do something like this but I'm too worried about what that would look like it's on your terms and that changes mm. with time as well so I will talk about this a bit more when we talk about me but what my mentoring started out as is not what it is now um, 16 years on. It's very, very different now. And with life changing (laughs) as well from when I was a teenager to when I was a young adult to when I first got married. Now being a mother, it looks different at every stage. So, Mm. um, and I imagine it will look different in the future, but again, because you're having an honest and open relationship with your mentor, um, you have that conversation. I disagree with my mentor sometimes, but then we go, okay, well, I don't agree. I don't quite see what you're saying, but I'm going to go back and pray and ask God to either open my eyes or open your eyes. One of us will change in this. Usually it's <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. Usually it's me coming back.
0: <laughs> and, I, and I guess the whole thing about about this is that um, both participants um, should be really good about keeping an ear open to what the Holy Spirit's saying and then following following the Holy Spirit's leading rather than, oh, exactly. I think this is a good idea or, oh, you know, you should really sort that out because I think that's terrible or whatever. Um, it, it's a lot more of saying, okay, God, let's together, you
1: know, yeah. go on and this And just also on that note, I know there's been times when a mentor has seen something and actually felt the Holy Spirit said to not say anything until I was ready. And then I've brought that thing forward and say, actually, I, I want to talk about this thing. And, and then you can kind of see the sigh of relief. Oh, my God, God has done the work. We can talk about this now. <laughs> so mentoring isn't always immediately yeah. calling out everything you see that actually the Holy Spirit might put a lid on things until the mm-hmm. time is right, because his timing is always perfect.
0: Great. So, Iman, as someone who has been in James's church, and I mean, you've shared some of your story in the book Holy Grit. I just wanted to ask you, um, what what your discipleship experience has been like?
1: Yeah, for me, it's been very natural. So, when I um, joined the church, I was sixteen. I we just moved to the area, and um, my mom kind of took a real leap of faith to get me to church in the first place and I had this encounter with the Holy Spirit and I was really excited about being Christian I thought oh this is great my life will now kind of just be fixed <laughs> um and then I realized oh gosh there were loads of things I needed to come to terms with in the way I was living some of that stuff the Holy Spirit did naturally I just started to choose to live differently some things I would hear in the services and I would just say oh I need to put this into practice and do it. but because we had Bible studies and we would hear people's stories as we shared things, I naturally wanted to learn more. And so when it was um, first brought up, it started out more as a form of accountability for me, because I think being a, an older teen, there were loads of um, loads of things that felt very high pressured and you, oh, I wanted someone to talk to more regularly. Um, so it, it happened really naturally, that process. And then eventually I got a mentor, someone who could kind of, come alongside me who is a bit more further along in the faith and could see things a bit differently um I I kind of it was so natural that I didn't really think of it as um I mean I I was a little awkward at first because I was a teenager and I couldn't really express myself very well but it didn't feel like a, a heavy thing it felt like this extra support that I got at church um during that time and the main thing for me was learning how to live in the faith because I just didn't have any context for it. My understanding of it was very different. So that's how it started. And as it kind of evolved, um, I then started to see it more as something really important to help me unpack things that I was learning for myself and say, okay, this is what I'm seeing in the Bible. This is what I kind of want to do, but I don't really know how to get there. Can you pray with me? Can we look at this and work through it together? Um, and then, um, hmm. somewhere along the line, I then got the opportunity to mentor others as well, um, other younger women who were coming into the church. And and I was yeah. going to ask that and if so you've been you on started, both sides. Yeah, that's in fact, interesting. I think becoming a mentor also taught me so much about being a mentee and so much about my own faith. You learn so much from the person you're mentoring as well, and the way that they approach things. And and also, God does a brilliant thing that actually, as you work on yourself. There's certain things that you're then able to see a bit clearer that you wouldn't have been able to see before. Um, that you can then you can share oh. from your lived experience that it's not like oh, you know, nice thoughts. It's like no, this is what I've seen God do in my life. Now it might not look exactly the same in your life, but I know that it is possible for God to do this, and so we can bring this to God. And there's a confidence that comes with that. And so it's been quite um, yeah, it's been a natural and evolving process throughout and it's still that way I still have a mentor Mm. and I also mentor at the same time
0: and through the journey um have or is there anything that you would have done differently
1: yeah I think particularly because I started out quite young I think it was especially difficult for me to express myself quite well or by um I had a few life-controlling issues at the time too but the the main thing that I wish I'd understood is the the family nature of church I didn't it took me a very long time to understand the church being a body of people and not a building because I was so fiercely independent um and I still struggle to not be now um and to kind of think okay like I'm here to and I want to serve the church and everything but it's kind of and that's separate from the church being part of my life. And more and more, I've gotten to appreciate mm. how, m- why we have church as it is, that it's such a needed relationship. You, So much of the character development I've had in my life hasn't been from some grand revelation by myself in my room. There've been amazing moments, you know, reading Bible by myself, but actually it's being close with someone else in the church and then either something is said or... Um, something comes up in the relationship and I go why does that feel a particular way and that's what I then take to God that reveals something in me that we need each other because actually Mm. you you think you're a very patient person and you're asking God to give you more patience until you're thrown into a a relationship with people and then you realize that oh no I don't Mm. have as much patience Mm. as I I thought I had I, I wish I'd known my need for people sooner I think my life would look a bit differently but i i am also grateful that i just, I got here eventually
0: <laughs> hmm. <laughs> well thank you so much iman for sharing your story james just having he- heard that from iman um is is this a typical picture of what you see um in your church as people go through this discipleship mentorship kind of relationship or or is every everyone different yes i think it's a
2: it's a learning experience and of course uh, each one of us being different. Um, I think that that's why I keep coming back to that word organic. That, of course, the, you know, there'll be guidelines around um, safeguarding and looking after people and, and all of those things that we really do need those. And I go into a lot more detail about that in the book. Um, yeah, just building a space safe. A, a safe space <laughs> where people can um, feel free to open up. And of course that takes time, mm-hmm. time. And uh, it is a it is a lifelong investment. So uh, we have to give it time and our efforts, our best efforts. So in the individuality um, of every, every person, we respect that and realize some people are going to like really move quickly through the things that they're challenged on others more slow. And uh, I think I'm sometimes one of those slow people. Um, The Lord has to keep bringing things back to me. I think perhaps my sometimes stubborn nature, but um, I have uh, people that are really patient with me and, pray for me wonderful congregation and that i i should also add that i lead with my wife ruth and she's a real help to me coming alongside and so it's very much uh one of those things that we respect the the rights the full rights of the person see them as someone who's created in the image of god and that we need to respect and nurture and love and you know, jesus certainly is the great shepherd, and As leaders, we are to shepherd his people, um, the flock under his care.
0: Mm, That's great, James. Thank you. Do check out James Poacher's book, Holy Grit, Gaining Traction on Life's Journey with Jesus. We're just about to have a short little break now, uh, but we will be back and we'll find out a little bit more about James's life um, after these. The Mantle by Mark F. Hobson, Ph.D is a fictional novel about the cloth that covered Jesus' head in the tomb, known as the mantle. What is the secret history of this sacred object? What miracles might unfold? And who possesses it now? Packed full of intrigue and adventure, the mantle intertwines both past and present in a gripping supernatural tale. Every moment is a divine revelation. Get your copy of The Mantle by Mark F. Hobson today from drmarkhobson.com or from Amazon. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, you can help keep it on the web. All you've got to do is buy me a coffee. Head over to buymeacoffee.com slash mattmccleary to make a donation. There is a link in this episode's show notes. So go on, buy me a coffee today and help this podcast to keep supporting Christian books and authors. Hello, welcome back to the Christian Book Blur podcast. I'm your host, Matt McCleary. Thanks for staying with us. I have been talking with the author, James Poach, about his book, Holy Grit, just before the break. And we are just going to find out a little bit about who James is. We like to peel back the dust jacket of the book and find out a little bit more about our author's life. So, James, what do you do for fun? Right. Yes, well.
2: I certainly love to get out in nature. I find that I'm really able to connect with God when I have time and space and to pray and to see all the beautiful things that he's created all around us. So, and that leads me into photography. I do love taking ah pictures and usually it's kind of out of the corner of my eye I see something and it's kind of like, hey, I'm over here, take my picture. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, you know as I mentioned being up in Scotland um, just seeing uh, the beauty of God's creation and everything blank is in snow and the sun coming out. it's just mm. beautiful. so I'm waxing lyrically here. <laughs> so you could tell that's a, a little bit of a passion just being out in nature and I enjoy cooking. I love to mm. I, I love to eat, so naturally I, <laughs> it it just flows What's into What's your the favorite kind
0: of food to eat? Yeah,
2: I do love Mexican food. I think it mm. was yeah, I'm American, so I was kind of born and raised in Pennsylvania primarily. And uh, But then moved to the south, so there's a considerable amount of Mexican food there. So Mm. I really discovered that, came to love that. So I cook a bit of that and enjoy eating that and sharing it with others. I love making queso. As Iman will attest. So uh Is it any good good, Iman? I was
1: this close to requesting it as a birthday present and realize that's a bit odd to call up your pastor and go, Can you please give me queso for my birthday? (laughs) 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 Oh Iman, you missed out. I think you're away I (laughs) I
0: probably would have Oh no, that's brilliant. Um, so we've already found out your favorite food. Do you have any other favorite things that you like like to do or watch? Do you watch much television? Well, I would perhaps
2: have said that years ago, but I find more and more um, just other things. I think um, reading lately has uh, become something that's more to the fore. So I like um, reading just all kinds of different books that uh,
0: inspire and encourage. Is there a particular book that you would uh, recommend to our listeners today? I know I'm putting you on the spot. (laughs) Well,
2: I think there's one written by David Watson, um, an Anglican uh, vicar who um, was based up in York. And I only happened to read his book on discipleship after I had written Holy Grit. And uh, I wish that I had read it before, but (laughs) the thing that really struck me was those key things about discipleship are timeless. And uh, there were a couple good quotes in there. I thought, gosh, I wish I'd had this in. But Mm -hmm. because I have revised and updated the book and added in new testimonies in this second edition. I put those in because they were too good not to go in. So I would I would highly recommend David's book. It's um it's a, a wonderful,
0: wonderful uh book all about discipleship too. Mm, wonderful. Thanks. Have you got any family, James? I know you've mentioned a son earlier on.
2: Yes, yeah. We got My wife and I have four sons, all grown in their 30s, and we have seven grandchildren. Oh, let's keep you uh, busy. are all, yes, absolutely. They all live within like four miles of us, and they all attend our church, which is absolutely wonderful. It's such a blessing
0: to have them all around. So yeah, very proud of them all. Have you got anything that you're working on at the moment? Any anything that you can give us um, like a a sneak peek into is it, it might be another book or it could be some other program or something that's kind of bubbling away in the background at the moment right I'd say first and foremost it's like this book and
2: how to help others to grapple with this, not just in in the church, because recently we've done a whole series on the book around the key elements that come out of it so we had different people leading those and we also introduced some of the people that share their stories their testimonies in the book so that it kind of helps it come alive because that's of course something I wanted to do when I wrote the book it's like okay you can have the general idea of what discipleship is but what does it look like in the 21st century and here's some people that can tell you you know how they have grappled with that and how it has changed their lives in this walk with jesus and others so uh, from time to time, people say, oh, I wish we had this in our church. And, you know, it's about mm. talking with people, like, what would that look like in your context? And either with leaders or with people that are members of a church where perhaps they, they don't have any particular focus on discipleship, How can um, how can we help them to do that? Now, recently, I was asked to Write an article for a magazine of a Christian radio station. And uh, I thought that was really interesting because, you know, Matt, years ago, I didn't have confidence in writing. And I had this really weird fear that I would be asked to write an article for a magazine and I wouldn't be able to do it. You know, we all have these kind of weird things. And I really felt like the Lord said to me, Well, James, has anyone asked you? to write an article for a Christian magazine. And I was like, no. He's like, well then, what are you worried about? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, ironically that's what I'm what I'm doing now and I think, well, the Lord has put that before me and I want to honor that and mm. uh, you know, it's just a little bit about what I cover in the book about love and how it's so important and key to discipleship.
0: So that's one. Mm. Have you got any idea what this will look like? Not, not, not the, not the, um, the magazine article, but your idea about how to equip um, other churches to, to, to implement a discipleship program like this. Um, Mm. Is it going to be like another book or is it going to be, I don't know, like a sermon series? Was it going to be like a conference or, you know, have, what What format or shape is that going to take, or is it still really early days? Are we not at that point yet?
2: Yeah, I'd say that it's early days, but I feel that it will be important to have conversation with church leaders because in every church there's a glass ceiling, and that is the leadership. And, you know, you can have people in congregations, they're wanting to, we can see this from time to time in different, I'm sure all of us have, uh, where there are members of a congregation, they're really excited and wanting to go ahead with a particular project or vision. And the leader is maybe reticent or feeling it's not time. And so the, the leadership will hold the church in a certain way. And if God is, is challenging a church in discipleship, then we really need to say, hey, leaders, you mm-hmm. know, how's it going? And, you know, uh, what, what would it look like in your context? Because we're not saying, oh, the way that we do it is the only way yeah. to do discipleship and mentoring and, and all of that. But let's have a conversation around that and mm. well, encourage I'd... one another.
0: I know that I, for one, would be really interested in something like that for my church. Now, for my listeners, um, I did tell James at the beginning that I loved his book, Holy Grit, so much that I didn't want to give it away. And that's (laughs) true. I don't. I want to keep this. I think it's a valuable book um, for my bookshelf. But it's so good that I think I have to give it away as well. (laughs) So I will be giving away a copy of James Poacher's book, Holy Grit. Um, that you can get on my newsletter. So head over to mattmcclary.com and sign up to my newsletter. And in a few months' time, I'll be giving away this book, Holy Grit, and I'll actually have to go and buy another copy for my bookshelf. So hmm. there you go. That That's how good I think this book really is. So thank you, James. Before we go, um, where can people find you on social media or online or podcasts or whatever? Um, how can people get in touch or, in fact, buy the book? Yes. Um,
2: well, first and foremost, everything is kind of concentrated at our website, which is regen.church. There's no .dot com or anything. It's just Regen R E G E N. .dot church. As for social media, about three years ago, yeah, three years ago in Lent, I gave up social media, and you know what happened? I never came back to it. <laughs> I. It was just one of those things. I I felt like, well, what we're doing as a church we can just put it put it all there so there's as I mentioned the series that we have That you can find the links on the website the podcasts of the church can be found on all the different platforms Spotify Apple Google uh, whatever so you can find find us there and as for buying the book Amazon you can buy it on Kindle and there are uh, like other bookshop chains, your local Christian bookshop could source it yeah. for you, Waterstones. So uh, there's just a lot of different ways to yeah, access I mean, If you it.
0: search for Holy Grit, um, James Poach, it will it shall appear. Uh, and
2: also just a, a shout out to Instant Apostle for taking on the project for me and uh, allowing me to publish with them. Appreciate them.
0: Yeah, they're a really great publisher. Um, yeah, they've published a lot of mine as well. So I would agree with mm. you. They are fantastic to work mm-hmm. with um so just for the benefit of um the listeners i will be putting in the show notes of this episode a link to that website that james has just mentioned regen.church so all you have to do is go to the show notes click on that and it'll take you to where you want to be um thank you so much for joining us today james and iman it's been fantastic chatting with you thank you man wonderful opportunity to share with you
1: you're brilliant thank you so much
0: thank you to this episode's sponsor, the novel called The Mantle by Mark F. Hobson, PhD. Do have a look at his website, drmarkhobson.com, and grab yourself a copy of that book. And thank you as well for having a listen to this podcast. Don't forget that The Christian Book Blurb comes out twice a month on the 1st and the 15th. So I do look forward to seeing you and having the pleasure of your company once again really soon, where I'll be talking with another Christian author about their books, their life and their faith. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Christian Book Blurb with your host, Matt McCleary. Do give it a like, give it a share and let your friends know all about it. We do hope to see you again soon on another Christian Book Blurb.